In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He is Jesse Temple from The Athletic. We are back, and, uh, well, Wisconsin has a new coach, and his name is Luke Fickle, and I don't want to get into reactions, Jesse, over the, the hire. I think that's kind of been talked about uh, plenty on Sunday and all day Monday, but we got a chance to talk to Luke Fickle and Chris McIntosh about what is a monumental change from where we were thinking about where this thing was going to go the last time we talked last Monday or last uh, last week. We all thought Jim Leonard was going to get the job. He didn't. It's it's uh, it's Luke Fickle instead. I'll be honest. I was kind of impressed with Luke Fickle to start. Um, I, I have not heard a lot of him about him. I had not seen him talk. I had not listened to him talk uh, prior to this. Obviously, we know that he's been successful at Cincinnati. But just your first impressions based on what you heard from him today. He's extremely confident in his ability. And I think he's got a vision for success that has allowed him to be successful wherever he's been. And I think he gave us part of that plan, which is part of what stood out most to me. The fact that he's talking about some of the pillars of what has to make Wisconsin successful and what made Cincinnati successful was the strength program and recruiting. And he was asked a lot of questions about recruiting and understandably so, given where things stand with the 2023 class, given what has transpired the last couple of years. And he talked about how strongly he feels about establishing a, a radius within 300 miles of campus and um, I mean, there's a lot more that we're going to have time to discuss over the next 10 months. But overall, I I certainly was impressed with him and, and the things that he had to say. And also the, his acknowledgement of trying to win over these players and, and not doing it in any false kind of way. He wants to be as authentic to himself as he can. But he also recognizes that uh, these guys were adamant in their support about Jim Leonard. And we've been hearing that for months and Jim Leonard is not going to be their head coach moving forward. And, and fickle more than anyone else in college football, I think has unique understanding and appreciation of this situation because he was in that spot at Ohio state in 2011 when he was the interim coach and got passed over for the job in favor of Irvin Meyer. That was the right decision then for Ohio state. He said he had a hard time with it, but it, it allowed him to get to the point that he is at today. So I found him to be, um, uh, authentic and i found him to be someone who clearly has a vision to help this program get to the next level and and obviously that's why chris mcintosh made this move to help get wisconsin to a championship level i think there are a number of different things that uh, i want to get to but since you brought that up to get to the next level aspect of it i think it is the bottom line because he passed over and whether you like paul chris or not whether you thought it should move on move on or not he McIntosh fired a coach that had won more than 70% of his games at Wisconsin. He had led the Badgers to three Big Ten title games. He had gone six and one in bowl games. He then passed over a coach that was considered one of the better young minds, defensive minds in the country that had offers from some of the bigger programs in the country these last few years to go to, turned down the Green Bay Packers. Then he's going and paying a coach two and a half million dollars more per year than than Paul Chris made in, in this this past season. So like you don't do that without lofty goals of competing for championships, right? Uh, both in the division and probably nationally. You know, Luke Fickle wouldn't make any grand predictions of what's to come for the program. He wouldn't do that. But it feels like him and McIntosh are on the same level when it comes to that. Would you agree? Like it, it, it like he's not going to say we're going to win a national championship. He's not pulling out the the Barry. You better get your seats now because before long you won't be able to. He's not doing anything like that. 
but the goal is is championships, and I think I think they're on the same page there. I would absolutely agree that they are completely aligned. And if it, that was not the case, then McIntosh wouldn't have gone out and made this higher. I mean, there were multiple occasions in the time that we were around the two of them and listening to them talk and the welcome event and then a follow-up interview with Matt LaPay and then obviously the questions that they took from reporters where you heard uh, something to that effect about them being aligned in their vision. And and McIntosh is giving him, is giving Fickle the resources that are necessary that he believes are necessary to help get Wisconsin there. And I think we should acknowledge that no matter who the head coach is, this is a crapshoot. There are no guarantees. McIntosh has to make the best decision with the information that he has. And given that Fickle had been able to turn around Cincinnati and, and uh, get them to the college football playoff, he at least has established the fact that he has done it before. And, and obviously to me, that's the, that's why he's going with Fickle. I mean, th- I think that's another aspect of this too, is just for as much as people believe in Jim Leonard and and have great things to say about him and believe he's got a bright future in this game. And I'm certainly one of those people too. He hasn't proven it in the way that fickle has. And and basically Leonard Leonard is who fickle was six years ago and, and fickle's done it. And so I think that that all rolls into why McIntosh made this decision, but you don't pay a coach almost $8 million at Wisconsin, unless you're investing in, in winning championships, because that is a lot of money. All right. So let's get into the decision to go with Luke Fickle over Jim Leonard, um, because I think that's what a lot of people are wondering. Why did Chris McIntosh make this move? And you, you kind of laid it out, and I'm sure you laid it out in your piece that you can find at The Athletic that, uh, as we're recording this on uh, Monday night, just went live, so go and check that out. But what in your mind was the biggest reason that he went with Luke Fickle as opposed to Jim Leonard? I think it's what I just said, um, and I think – in in I asked McIntosh a question about um, you know how seriously he considered Jim and and how much stock he put into the players being overwhelmingly in support of him. But within the answer that he provided, I think we got the answer because he said that it became clear that they saw the world in the in the same way. But what he said was, and I'm quoting this it became evident that Luke and his experience and his belief system and his approach in his process, which was proven, and aligns with what we believes here was the way that he thought they needed to go. And to me, I think that is a significant part of this. And I don't like there were only a handful of people that could have gotten this job over Jim Leonard, I think, based on the, how things went. And he even said that basically Leonard did more than he could have hoped for in the seven games. Um, I think that's what it comes down to is the track record of success. And that's not an easy place to do it at Cincinnati. Luke Fickle was four and eight his first year at Cincinnati. They won 11 games the next two years and then eventually got to the college football playoffs. So I think it's that, but I think it's the 15 years of experience he had in the big 10 at Ohio state. Um, And it just seems like they align in so many ways. I go back to that word, but we've heard that a lot in, in, in the understanding of what you have to do in recruiting to build this thing up. So to me, that's what it came down to, really. And I put this in in my story as kind of the crux of the the story is that like two things can be true here, that Jim Leonard didn't do anything to lose the job. And he's got clearly got the talent and charisma to be a, a very good head coach it, it, whenever he gets that opportunity, whenever he wants it. And at the same time, based on McIntosh's belief, Fickle gives Wisconsin a chance to reach a higher ceiling because of what he's achieved now. We'll see whether that plays out, but that's kind of that's kind of where things stand right now. Yeah. And, you know, again, 
Jim Leonard got his opportunity to speak with McIntosh early last week. And it was after that conversation, if you're going to take Chris McIntosh at his word, which is all we can really do at this point, is that he made a tough decision and and he decided that Luke Fickle was the guy. Uh, do you think it really came down to that? Or do you think he already knew leading in before he met with Leonard that that was the way he was going to go with this? And I, and and uh, ended up going that way with it, or do you think there could have been something in that hour and a half or two hours that would have changed it? I don't think so. I really don't, and I say that just because. And look, uh, we're we're speculating here because we're not inside Chris McIntosh's mind, but that's what we have to do here. Um, he's watched Leonard up close for. He's been the athletic director for what 16, 17 months now, and and he even talked about uh, on Monday night that he was able to follow him in the day to day process because they're in the same building and they're they're both so close to the football program. And he said that he wanted to clear up the misconception that record mattered in this. And I don't know. I mean, if Leonard had, I've thought about this in the last couple of days. What if Wisconsin had beaten Iowa and had beaten Minnesota and went six and one and eight and four and backdoored their way in? And I, I don't, I don't, it wouldn't even have been backdoored their way. They, they would have earned their way to the Big Ten championship game. Um, I think it would have been awfully difficult to hire somebody else. But at the same time, um, McIntosh clearly was was talking to Fickle over the last couple of weeks, and and that obviously predates the results of the Minnesota game, and and perhaps even the Iowa game, and 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 certainly the Nebraska game. So, I think it was a matter of is Luke Fickle interested, and if he is, this is this is frankly it might be the hire of the coaching carousel this year. It's that much of a coup for the Badgers, and and so if you can go out and get Luke Fickle, you go do it. I don't know who's going to be able to top that. And like, unless one of the blue blood programs open up, which I don't really see, like, you know, I don't think Nick Saban's retiring, you know, LSU just filled their spot. Notre Dame just filled their spot. I don't think Ryan day is going anywhere. Jim Harbaugh's not going anywhere. USC just filled theirs. Like the, the you know, Texas just filled theirs uh, a year or two ago. Like these guys aren't going anywhere. Oklahoma just filled theirs. Like, so I don't think there's going to be like a blue blood that's going to come open. That's going to draw a coach into these spots. So I think this is probably the, the higher of the, cycle and it's easily like, like the biggest splash hire Wisconsin's ever made for a head coach. I mean, Gary Anderson wasn't certainly not. Paul Christ wasn't, you know, Barry Alvarez and Brett Bielema wasn't and Barry Alvarez at the, at the time was not. So this is so anti Wisconsin. I think it's caught people a little off guard. I think it's probably exciting to a lot of people and uh, a little bit different for some, some people that, that love the Wisconsin way. And I don't necessarily think the Wisconsin way has to go away, but it's, it is going to be different. That said, is it out of the realm of possibility that Jim Leonard could stick around that, right? Isn't that to me is another one of the big takeaways. It's, you know, why didn't he get job, get the job? And then is there a chance he could stick around because uh, Luke fickle and Jim Leonard met on Sunday for about an hour, I think is what he said. And yep. I think a lot of the talk was about the bowl game and how maybe that was going to work uh, because uh no, they have not named a head coach or a coach for that right now. Luke Fickle said he probably, you know, in some way, form or fashion is going to be a coach one way or the other in that game. Just I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But I think the bigger question is, can Jim Leonard return and and be Wisconsin defense coordinator? Is that something Luke Fickle's open to? So there's a lot to unpack there. And obviously, as we're having this discussion, a lot we don't know. And we we will learn the answers in the coming weeks. But as it stands... I did think one of the more interesting answers that Fickle gave was that he said he was, quote, definitely, end quote, considering Leonard for a spot on his staff. Now, 
There is a lot to be determined. You mentioned that he met with Leonard for an hour on Sunday night. He plans to speak with him again on Wednesday. And he said that it was a great conversation. But I think a lot of it's going to come down to how Jim Leonard feels about this and what he wants for his future. Because Fickle said in, in his conversation with Leonard, he, he was talking about what, what you want to do in five years from now and 10 years from now and where you want to be. And, and what you do a year from now is going to dictate your plan for the future. I think... Again, as I said, Fickle was in a unique spot. He was passed over for the for the job at Ohio State, and he stayed with the Buckeyes for five more seasons. Now, I don't see Leonard, I don't see Leonard doing that because he's he's just he's ready in my mind to be a head coach. And I think this seven game run showed him that he is ready. On the other hand, it's a difficult spot. You don't just want to jump anywhere. And if Fickle wants him to return, uh, that says a whole hell of a lot about what he thinks about Leonard. And we should also acknowledge that. Several job postings popped up on Monday, uh, which come with their mandatory seven-day window, but two of the jobs are the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator. Now, some of this may be just because of policy and state law, and I don't know whether that means Fickle has a guy that he wants to bring in. Obviously, he's going to be bringing members from his staff at Cincinnati. He mentioned he's already bringing two guys from the recruiting department. I think his strength coach is coming. But in terms of the assistance, that remains to be seen. So there is a lot to to determine here. I can't begin to imagine the hurt that Jim Leonard is feeling right now because, again, he didn't do anything in that seven-game run to say that he shouldn't be the guy. I mean, he, he did everything in his power to earn that role, and he doesn't get it. So he's got to decide what's best for his future. And that could be coming back you know, because he loves this place because Fickle sees so much in him. And, um, but again, I certainly can't blame him for saying I, this was an opportunity that I was passed over for. It's time for me to move on, but that remains to be seen as for the bowl game. I do think there was one thing that Fickle said. So for people listening at four o'clock, there was a welcome event and, uh, you know, there was a bunch of boosters there and, um, a few people spoke and then Matt LePay did a uh, an interview with both Fickle and McIntosh. And one of the things that he was asked at the end of that interview with LePay was about the plans for the, the bowl game. And in his answer, he said something about that. He didn't want to repeat what happened in 2011. And I mean, look, it's, it's very hectic. So we don't have a chance as reporters to press them on every single thing that they say as follow-up questions. But I, my, I took that to mean, in 2011, when he was the interim coach, Urban Meyer got hired and Fickle ended up being the head coach in the bowl game, which they lost the Gator Bowl that year. So if I read into that the way that I think I'm reading into that, then my assumption would be that Leonard wouldn't be the, the head coach for this bowl game. But I don't know what his role is going to be. So it's going to be an interesting month for sure. It definitely will be. So the other part of this Jim Leonard situation is the players. Yes, the players desperately wanted Jim Leonard to be their head coach. They were extremely upset that Paul Chris was fired. And we, you know, we, we heard from Braylon Allen and again, taking all these guys at their word is just uh, what we're having, having to do at this point. But if Jim Leonard's here, I'm going to be here, that type of stuff. And John Torchio, if you know, you'd be an idiot if you didn't want Jim <laughs> Leonard as your coach <laughs> and uh, you know, Nick, Nick Herbig saying that feeling left out uh, to dry, you know, after the Minnesota game, you know, about how this whole process has played out. And I thought, Chris McIntosh showed some understanding of the situation and understanding of where the players were at and what they were thinking and how they were thinking. And he offered up an apology uh, for how the process played out. Now, again, 
maybe it's asking, for, you know, asking for forgiveness is a lot easier than it, this isn't the exact same, like the exact wording that doesn't fit this situation, but asking for forgiveness is a lot easier than asking for permission and going out and putting this whole thing out the, I want Luke fickle. And this is where I'm going to go with it. Like that would have been extremely difficult then for those players to accept, but then going back and just apologizing and understanding that, you know, they went through some difficult things this year. And it's not just obviously the coaching situation, but off the field with Gary Brown and with Devin Chandler and then, and then the coaching stuff and the difficult season, the way the games played out, a lot of close losses, a lot of disappointing things that he felt a need to apologize to them. I felt that was another noteworthy thing that he said to publicly acknowledge that when he met with the team on Sunday, he apologized to them for contributing to what has been a a challenging season. Um, McIntosh is obviously an extremely smart guy and he knows what's being said. He knows what's being written. And um, it had been clear for weeks that the players wanted Leonard. And, you know, I thought another thing that, that stood out to me from the post game on Saturday against Minnesota. And, and the, the quote of the night was, as you referenced, <laughs> John Torchio basically saying, whoever hires coaches is an idiot if they don't hire coach Leonard. But, but Nick Herbig said, he he was clearly frustrated with the entire process. And he said, it, it baffles me every day that they just leave us out to dry. And I kind of feel like we're just sitting and hoping, uh, sitting around hoping and praying that we're going to get an answer. And I understand why this process took as long as it did. You don't get Luke Fickle if you have to do it earlier because he was focusing on his own season, which is something that he said too, that is really hard for him to balance these two things. And when you're a head coach in the middle of the season, you don't want to focus on going somewhere else because then you don't put your full attention on the team. But the way things lined up, the fact that Cincinnati isn't in play for conference championship, it just worked out. But there's no doubt that I mean, Fickle's going to have some work to do just to be able to develop relationships with players who were staunch supporters of Leonard. And I, I give McIntosh credit for, for saying that to the players because they have been in a really difficult spot for the last couple of months Here's the other thing that I think we can acknowledge, though, is McIntosh is doing what he believes is in the best interest of this program for the long term future. And you can't rely on the emotions of 18 to 22 year olds, because if that were the case, Paul Chris never would have been fired. And if that were the case, Jim Leonard would have been the coach. And and while I would have had no problem with Leonard being the coach, it wasn't my decision. And McIntosh had to do what he felt was best. So while that may not be what feels best for the players in the moment, he has to do what's best for the program. And those are two different things. Oh, they're extremely different things. You're completely right. You cannot, you cannot, and he didn't clearly do that. But I think he does have some skin in the game in terms of, he had like his, one of his former teammates is on there in terms of Ross Kalaji, the defensive line coach. And he, there's a lot of former Badgers that he has a lot of connections with that are on that coaching staff that are now probably going to be out of jobs. Uh, Cause I don't envision, and, you know, maybe you disagree with this. I don't envision him keeping a lot of guys around. He's going to want to bring in his staff, and there may be there may be some carryover. But the last time that they've had these changeovers, there's been like one staff member that's stuck around, and that's not going to be the case this time. I, I don't imagine like more than one or two at the most going to be still around. So uh, a lot of guys with a lot of ties to Wisconsin are going to be out of jobs. Not that they're going to be out of jobs for forever, but they're going to be out of jobs here pretty soon after the bowl game. This is kind of you talking about speculating. Do you make anything out of the guys that came and the guys that did not come in terms of the players today? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know the reasoning for why some guys came and some guys not. And I'm not here to call anybody out because because I don't know. But I would say that a a good portion of of players showed up um, 
for the the welcome event and i think that says a lot and and fickle talked that i mean he spent hours around the players on monday trying to just get to know him right from the start and and get some buy-in and understand that he's here for them and wants to develop relationships and and that's the other thing and and you never know what's going to happen but he's 49 years old and i think people you know people see this higher and they say well whenever Ryan Day is gone, he's going to go to Ohio State. And and I have no idea, but this feels like somebody who doesn't make this move with a wife and six kids. Um, and five of them were there. Obviously, one of his sons is um, a current football player at Cincinnati, but doesn't make this move unless this is a place where you want to be for a really long time. Um, and so I think that's, you know, something to be aware of as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I was paying attention to who was there and who wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I just not available to come right just not available to be there and and so they they didn't and that's fine you know joe titman and hayden rucci and kamoe latu and hunter wolder and some of the other guys that i think have a chance to be uh obviously uh leaders on the team going forward were there and and that there were some other leaders that were not nick herbig was there uh alex smith was there i don't think anybody thinks nick herbig is coming back but um he was there to, to show support. So, um, but there were obviously some notable exceptions and I'm not going to get in, as you said, not going to try and figure out why they weren't there, but there were, there were some certainly notable guys missing from that room on, uh, on Monday. Again, not fair to, to speculate as to why they're not there just to note that they were not Luke Fickle did in his press conference, laid out a couple first orders of business. And I think, uh, you mentioned the recruiting and you mentioned the strength coach. Those two, I think are probably the biggest right now, right? Because, the the biggest priority is the 2023 class that stands at nine guys right now. That's accurate, right? Yep. It's, it's at nine right now. I believe it's yep. ranked 80th in the country. So I, there have been a lot of decommitments from Wisconsin. There have also been quite a few decommitments from Cincinnati, a Cincinnati class that was ranked in the top 30 prior to this news coming out. I think some of those guys may end up at Wisconsin. Um, but the biggest key right now is getting the recruiting staff in place. And he does have, um, it's been reported that uh, his recruiting coordinator, Pat Lambert, and his director of recruiting strategy, Max uh, Steinecker, are going to be coming with him. Those are two of the guys who are going to come in with him. And then the head strength and conditioning coach, Brady Collins. I believe those have all been uh, reported by various outlets. So that I, those he understands what the lifeblood of a program is, and he's not a guy that's going to leave a, a, a recruiting department open for six months. No, he's not. And i got to be honest, uh, I if, I'm a, if I were a fan – I would not be worried at all about what's going to happen with Wisconsin's recruiting class, even though there are only nine guys here and it feels like the sky is falling. And, and it, it, it is in the sense that they've got no wide receivers left. They've got no defensive linemen left. Uh, they haven't signed a tight end. Um, but I've got a story coming out later this week. And I talked to a lot of people who um, have coached with Luke fickle, um, you know, Jim Tressel, Mark D'Antonio, um, guys who are very well respected in this profession. And one of the first things that they talk about is that he is one hell of a recruiter. And when he was at Ohio state and, and I, this is one of the things that stood out to me in talking to Trestle is that he, he was talking about like he could go into a place and he had certain recruiting areas like Western Pennsylvania and obviously Ohio, but he, he could go into Maryland and he'd never been there and he would develop relationships and he would get the best players out of that area. And I realized that when you're a head coach, it's not necessarily the same as, as we're in year and assistant, but it takes a certain mindset to to be able to figure out how to have relationships and to be able to recruit well. And that is one of his greatest strengths 
And so I think if you're a Badgers fan, you have to be extremely excited about what the future could hold, even though it's completely up in the air right now. And I fully expect some of those Cincinnati decommits to wind up coming to Wisconsin. One thing that I, and you know, this is an offshoot of the conversation about recruiting, but one thing I'm very interested to see what happens is what Wisconsin does in the transfer portal, because there are clearly several positions of need. Um, I could name about four or five or even six right now. Uh, quarterback probably needs some offensive linemen, obviously wide receiver, defensive line, maybe outside linebacker. Certainly if Herbig leaves, that's five positions right there. Eat cornerback. <laughs> that's a lot. But Fickle talked about how the transfer portal, like that's not really something he is all about. He will use it um, if necessary and did at Cincinnati, but he's all about the development of players, which aligns with how Wisconsin has operated before. And it's something that Jim Leonard acknowledged too. But Wisconsin is going to be in a spot and and players are probably going to leave when the transfer portal window opens December 5th, where they're going to need, I think, several transfers unless Fickle and company just dominate on the recruiting trail in the next three weeks, which is very possible. So there is going to be a lot of roster turnover and I'm very intrigued to see what happens, but I have no concerns about Fickle and his staff's ability to recruit. And so if you're a Badgers fan, I think you could breathe breathe a sigh of relief because it's been a roller coaster for the last couple of years in that department. I, I feel like there's a lot of people that are having a sigh of relief with that information you just gave them because it, it has been, especially the 2023 class, uh, a concern. But I, I'm interested to see exactly how he decides where he wants to recruit because I thought it was yeah. interesting that he talked about his 300-mile radius around Madison, which would include parts of Minnesota, Illinois, Michigan, Iowa, Indiana, and and that being the core of it, which it kind of has been, right? I mean, it kind of has been for Wisconsin for now, but he's, you feel like he's going to be into Ohio. He's going to be into Pennsylvania where Wisconsin's had success into the South, you know, especially uh, in Florida at times. And, you know, Wisconsin has turned into a a program which can recruit nationally. So I feel like he's going to find out because he said he hadn't dove into exactly what Wisconsin is, you know, where they've had traditional success at. I think he's going to find he's going to have he's going to have a pretty significant area to go and find guys from. Yep, I agree wholeheartedly. You look at Wisconsin's been able to do in the state of Illinois recently, even though there have been a few decommits before that. There were what five guys from the state of Illinois in the same class, and um, there's a lot of talent there in Minneapolis area, Minnesota. And I think Ohio is going to be very significant for him. You look at how Cincinnati's roster was built, and granted, Cincinnati's in Ohio, but Fickle has huge ties to that state, and he's developed great relationships. Um, another guy I talked to for the story, Ted Ginn Sr., um, who's son, obviously a great football player, but Ted Ginn Sr. has been a, a high school football coach at the same school in, in Ohio since 1976, so he's seen a thing or two. And he talked about um, just how special Fickle is as, as a relationship builder and a recruiter, and and I really think Ohio is going to play a part of this, but it remains to be seen just how much. But they've had some success in the state of Ohio, and I expect them to have more. And even if that isn't technically in a 300-mile radius in various portions, um, I think that'll be a- another key area. So uh, there's a lot, I think, there's a lot possible in recruiting for Wisconsin. And, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, they're going to have consistent top 25 classes. And we've seen before that doesn't necessarily translate to results on the field. And Cincinnati didn't have the highest ranked classes, but they were among the better classes in the conference that they played in. And so I think he can just kind of elevate Wisconsin in that regard. And 
and develop those relationships. And maybe you start getting some players that you weren't getting before. And, and that can contribute to boosting Wisconsin as a program. Another part of the recruiting aspect of it is an IL, right? And mm-hmm. um, I was reading a story from the athletic, your Cincinnati reporter who yes. did a great job diving into yes, everything that, that, that happened and the timeline and all that. I thought one aspect of it was extremely interesting. I should say the entire thing was, but the one part that stood out to me that kind of made me like say, Oh, um, it was a part of the story. It said fickle who has been hesitant to embrace NIL as a recruiting tool has been frustrated by numerous decommitments and lost recruiting battles due to NIL in recent months. Does that raise any antennas up for you? And do you think, what did you hear from him today that maybe will soothe that at all? Honestly, I don't know how much it raises because I don't know how much, I just don't know how much NIL is going to be a factor in the getting the types of players that Wisconsin's already getting. Um, I mean, there are, um, there are obviously players who that's a big component, but I think if that's the uh, one of the biggest components you weren't going to come to Wisconsin in the first place, I think he'll embrace it. I think coaches come around to whatever helps the program win and succeed in the future. And obviously Wisconsin has the varsity collective now, um, but its emphasis is a, a little bit different from some of the other schools where the focus is on the players that are currently on the roster and they talk about life currency. And certainly a component of that is the the financial aspect. But um, I kind of feel like what Wisconsin wants out of its NIL program is how Luke Fickle would see things with NIL. But there are always going to be players that Wisconsin probably isn't going to get because that's a bigger factor than than, um, you know, it, it, Wisconsin wants it to be like, they're not going to induce high school prospects with money. And and so I think part of this and why maybe it's a good fit with fickle in Wisconsin is just understanding what you're about as a program and what it's going to take to succeed. But, but NIL obviously is another element to this whole, this whole conversation. And, um, you know, I think we're still learning about how much that's going to impact a program. Are there any other, questions that weren't answered. I feel like there's a ton of questions that we haven't addressed, but is there anything that you didn't get to address with, with Luke Fickle? I, I feel like for me personally, not getting to ask about the offense and Mm -hmm. kind of what that is going to look like. I feel like that should have been at the forefront and it just completely uh, skipped my mind. And we didn't, I think everyone maybe got a question in, maybe got some people got two. So it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a situation where you could ask every question that you have and we'll have a, we'll have an opportunity to do that at some point. But is there any other question that, that stood out to you at all that, that you have still about this situation? Um, I think we've got the answers that we're going to get. Like we're, we're not necessarily going to know. And and McIntosh said that he knew that there was a lot of intrigue about the timeline and the the step-by-step of how everything happened with this process. But it, he didn't want anything to do with that, did he? No, he didn't. And I can understand that. I mean, what's done is done. He's made the move. And uh, I think it's, you know, seems like it's going to be a good move for the future of Wisconsin. It'd be more football questions. But the other thing is, I don't think Fickle has those answers. And and he was asked one football specific question about the fact that Cincinnati's defense operated out of a 3-3-5 and Wisconsin's had success in a 3-4. And um, he wants to do what's going to be best for a program. And he also said that you'd be crazy to just scrap what's worked for so long. So I don't know what that's going to look like, but these are answers that are going to come in time. I mean, he's, I don't know where, where's he, where's he staying? Like he's probably living out of a suitcase for the next few months. Like he's got, he doesn't even know everybody's name on the team. So there are a lot of things to figure out and, and that's what the next few months are for. And I think really these next few weeks, just to get a feel. And this is another reason why I think bowl prep and going to a bowl 
is valuable because now it gives the next head coach an opportunity to see up close and personal what all these guys are about. And I mean, this is another interesting thing that he said. I don't know if he was kidding or not, but he wants to be involved in the bowl game. He said, whether that means like <laughs> coaching the nose guards or the punters. I mean, I never heard of a, a the new coach coming in and actually participating no. as a coach in the game. So I don't know if that's a real thing or not. Uh, that would certainly be an interesting dynamic. But um, again, the point I'm making here is we're, we're, there are a lot of answers we don't know. And I don't know that we have to know them right now, but we're going to find out because, hey, spring practice is only what, three months away, four months away. <laughs> Yes, it's it's getting very, very close. I wanted to get it to a few Twitter questions because we did get them. Obviously, when I asked for them on Saturday, I was expecting the coaching news to be Jim Leonard. Um, so I didn't get too many game questions. I don't really want to talk about the game. I don't think anybody wants to talk about the game at this point. That was ugly, right? Can we just say that? Yeah, microcosm yeah. of the season. I mean, yeah. four offensive line penalties and back yourself yeah. up from goal to goal at the five to the 30 uh, pretty much sums up the season. My God. All right. Uh, Jacob says uh, people debate, keep debating what the next level looks like for the Badgers. The landscape of college sports has changed so much that comparing the success they had in 2016 to 2019 is like comparing apples and oranges, especially with divisions going away. In order to be at the uh, 16 to 19 level, the bar has been moved up compared to what those teams had accomplished to get there or no. Oh, yes. This is totally fair. And this is something I referenced in the story that I wrote. Um, you look at this is a new world of, of college football and, and especially the Big Ten after next season. If presumably divisions are going to be eliminated, you've got UCLA and USC joining. Ohio State and Michigan have won the past five league titles. Michigan's probably going to win a sixth when it plays Purdue on Saturday. USC in one season with Lincoln Riley has become a national title contender. Wisconsin hasn't beaten Penn State for the last five games. That's been a decade plus. And now the Badgers have slipped behind teams they've grown accustomed to beating, like Iowa. They've lost two or three. Now, I know that's been a, a Closely contested series for a while, but Wisconsin had won four in a row before then. They've lost three of five to Minnesota after winning 14 in a row. They've lost two of four to Illinois after winning nine in a row. So um, I think it's only going to be more challenging because the top end is so good. And Wisconsin now has to get past the teams that it used to be able to beat regularly. So what does it look like? I mean, when they talk about competing for championships, they're talking about competing for Big Ten championships. And then the idea is, and if, if you are in a Power Five conference like the Big Ten, if you can win that, then you've got an opportunity for the playoff. And I think we should acknowledge now with the playoff moving for, from four to 12 teams, you know, that may change this equation too, because in, in a sense now it'll be a little bit easier to get in there. You don't have to win a big 10 championship to get into the playoff. And honestly, I feel like that's what the ceiling is for Wisconsin in the future. I feel like we should expect to see Wisconsin in the playoff, not necessarily as a, a big 10 title winner, though that could happen every handful of years, but as a team that can go, I don't know, 10 to two, 11 and one and, and win some big games. That's what I see, but it's going to be more challenging than ever given where things are headed in the conference. I don't know if you agree with me. I mean, they did they did beat the Big Ten West champions, so um, they got uh, that going the, for them. The worst, this is the worst division in human <laughs> history. Uh, Purdue and Michigan on Saturday. Yikes. Um, no, what I will say about the, the, the playoff, does Paul Chris look different to people if it's a 12-team playoff as opposed to a 14-team playoff? Because he's making it three times in that situation. Yes, I think so. Um, but then again, he's not. Then again, he's not making it in three straight years. Mm -hmm. Maybe and things are falling off the way that they have. Maybe it's a little bit different. Yeah, but you know, this is part of the changing landscape, and it's a hypothetical we'll never really have an answer to. No. But I mean that that. But then you know that gets into like what you believe the ceiling can be for Wisconsin and how how a coach should be judged, and um, it's just something that 
that did, hasn't existed to this point. And when it does, I think that does change how you view the success of a season. Yeah. Uh, 608 says, does the fickle hiring validate that the athletic department, perhaps the entire administration is ready to finally invest in football, like other big 10 programs, uh, coach, yes. pay, <laughs> coach pay NIL recruiting facilities. Is this a Macintosh thing or a new reality of big 10 money and TV rights? Um, I think both. Um, yeah. I mean, so Macintosh acknowledged that Fickles agreed to a seven-year contract that begins at seven and a half million dollars and averages seven point eight million dollars. That's almost two and a half million dollars more. The Paul Chris Samuel's salary was five and a half million dollars, and and you don't do that unless you are going all in on this. And and the reason that they're going all in on this and something Macintosh acknowledged was um, because it drives the bus for everything in the athletic department. And he talked about how that COVID year showed just how important football is to everything else. Um, but in order for that to be successful, you've got to have a really good football program. And in order to have a good football program, you've got to put all the resources you can into it. Um, and they're doing that in, you know, upgrading the the football facility. The McLean Center doesn't even have a hundred yard field. I mean, this isn't 1989 anymore, right? Um, thank God, I guess, if you're a Badgers fan, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, I, I think clearly they're, they're, they are showing that they are willing to put the resources in. And to me, that shows that this program has every intention of competing for championships and McIntosh will give Fickle every avenue to achieve that goal. Um, a couple more, just because a lot of them lost a little bit of luster when, or a little bit of uh, relevance to this when Jim Leonard was not retained or not named the head coach. But Badgers fan says, do you want Mertz as your quarterback next year? Yes or no. And you can't waffle Jesse, according to, according to him. In this situation, I don't know how you can, um, you know, that's kind There's of no way. I feel right. It's kind of how I feel right now, just because you've got a new head coach and he's going to want to bring somebody in. And, and I said this before, I mean, this is going to be a situation where if Mertz did come back, there'd be, he'd be working with his fourth offensive coordinator and fourth quarterback coach in as many seasons. And, and I mean, I, you know, people can be frustrated with Graham and I mean, he, to me, he has made strides. I mean, he's thrown 19 touchdown passes this season, even if they've come at times in bunches against bad teams. Um, he's a better quarterback, but I think there's a lot of factors to weigh here. And, and just like I'm not in McIntosh's head, I'm not in Mertz's head, but I have to wonder whether he'd want to be a part of this, whether Fickle sees him as the guy. Um, there are just so many questions that I have right now, and I wouldn't be surprised if he decides to move on, but um, – there's a part of me that wouldn't be surprised if he stuck it out just because um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just kind of have that feeling. <laughs> would you, but would, um, we'll would see. You... Well, I think it, well, the other thing is it depends what they do with the transfer portal right now, because as it stands, there's three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster for next season. So if that's all you have, I mean, Jim Leonard acknowledged this, you know, in the last week that they've got to have better competition and they need somebody to push <laughs> the starting quarterback. And they haven't had that. Right. Uh, this this I think you might have a different answer to now. I don't know. Maybe maybe you don't. But Rob says, uh, Jesse sounds like a, a broken record saying mm -hmm. that Wisconsin cannot possibly be expected to recruit like other big boys, big boys in the conference. Mm -hmm. He says, why? We can't be a consistent top 20 team in recruiting. Um, have you changed it all based on what you've learned about uh, Luke Fickle? No, not yet. I mean, okay. I would have to see it before I believe it. And I mean... I guess I don't mean to sound like a broken record. I hope I'm not boring in that. No, in that no, way, but, no. But, I don't think that's. I don't think it's what. It, I don't think it's what he meant. But I, I just think we have years and years and and decades of of evidence that show us where Wisconsin is. I mean, yeah, they could do that, but 
you know, when you recruit to a certain type of player and you are, are limited in, in the region where you can recruit. And that's another thing is, you know, if Fickle believes that the bulk of the roster is come, going to come within a 300 mile radius, you know, what, what type of talent do you have there relative to the talent that these other programs have? I mean, it's just, it's how college football always is. It's so regional. And I, I remember writing a something about this in recent months, when if you look at the guys who were the four and five star players at Georgia or Ohio state or, or a lot of these big schools, those guys are coming from pretty darn near their backyard or one state over. Um, and some of this may just purely have to do with the rating system, which is not, it's not perfect. It's a flawed system, but I think it does give a pretty decent indication of a person's talent level coming out of high school. And so, you know, when, when your location is Wisconsin and the state of Wisconsin itself produces very little in the way of major division one prospects, let alone four or five star guys, like that's going to contribute to this whole thing. So I'm interested to see what Fickle does. He obviously has to expand the footprint, even if he wants it to be the, the bulk of the, the classes in, within the 300-mile radius. I just right now have a hard time seeing Wisconsin suddenly being a, a top 20 type recruiting team. But I suppose if there's a coach that can help get Wisconsin there based on what he's done, Fickle is the guy. It's certainly going to be fascinating to find out. And, you know, I was kind of funny at this time last year coming off the Minnesota loss we were talking about all the things that needed to change and how this was going to be such a huge <laughs> offseason for Paul Christ. And we talked about it after the bowl game. It's going to be the most interesting offseason that Wisconsin's had in a really, really long time. And this one has already put it to shame. And yes, this the, and, and the rest of it is is going to put everything we've seen to this point to shame. And I can't wait to see how it plays out. I can't wait to see how the rest of this uh, offseason plays out. And, and uh, we'll be here to talk about it throughout. Um, Jesse, thank you very much. I appreciate you doing this late with me. I know you've had a long day, but I do appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch up next week. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Zach. All right, there he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.